This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen. I want to welcome all of you that are watching on social media, television, listening on Warning Radio, Shortwave, or any of our iPod platforms which are over 40, welcome. I have again with me Mike DeLorenzo, My Father's House Ministries. He was on earlier this week. Also, I have with me Robert Brunel, Divine Revelations. So if you did not hear those interviews the last couple of days, go to my website, www.worldministries.org, and you can listen to them. Our television programs, daily radio programs are on. And so go ahead and listen to their interviews. Fascinating. And you'll be encouraged and blessed that you did. Now, Mike, you and Robert took a mission trip recently. Now, why don't you tell us, where was that at? Well, we went to the Ivy League colleges. How that started, I was reading a book by Anna Mendez about when God called her to go to Mount Everest to do a spiritual warfare assignment. I was just weeping and I just says, Lord, what's my next assignment? What's my next assignment? He says, I want you to gather a team of men and go pray for the Ivy League colleges for repentance and that I bring revival to the Ivy League colleges. So I put the word out to see if anybody wanted to go. And Robert joined with me. And, of course, Dennis Moore and another brother named Frank. So we had four of us on a team. We're gone for about 11 days. We took a college a day. Of course, one day was like a 300-mile drive, was it? Yes. So one day was just a driving day. And so we did like Princeton, Harvard, Yale, Dartmouth, Brown, Columbia. I'm probably missing one. Penn State, I believe. And so it was an amazing 10 days. And uh, we didn't spend long at each college, probably only two to three hours at the most at any given college. But God would give us assignments. You know, number one, we'd ask God. Almost every college had a motto about serving God, except for Penn State, Benjamin Franklin. But all the rest had a Christian motto. And most of those were started like 300 years ago. And so part of us was, Lord, let us go back and redig the ancient wells. And most all those Ivy League colleges start out of seminaries where they were preaching the gospel. They get the gospel to all the world. But, you know, all that garbage crept in, the New Age, and, you know, and all that stuff, and even Age of Enlightenment. So all those colleges drastically begin to change over the last 50 or 60 years. But I believe God's redigging those wells, and we're believing God for revival because, you know, in the last days, God wants to pour our spirit in all flesh. So we're going back praying that God would retake those communist colleges for Jesus. Amen. Because <laughs> they had a good foundation. Yes. yes. Yes, but they got off track. And I remember one of the mottos of Yale was harsh. It was like... Uh, Cursed be any knowledge contrary to the cross of Christ. Right. Wow, what a strong motto. But they've gone away from that, and they need to be turned back to the Lord. 
Well, I'll tell you what, I think some of those mottos need to be exposed all across America and especially at those places, those universities. So the students actually realize what their foundation was. Amen. You know, people don't know where they come and that sometimes they don't know where they're going then. They, they need to know their history. When you learn your history, a lot of times that helps you with your present and your future. Amen. And so I believe that, like you said, if you want to get back and re-dig up the wells and get water gushing out, <laughs> yes. uh, truth takes away deception. These right. guys got to know their history. Yeah. yeah. Where they came from and, and now even why they have sunk to such depravity. You know, I wrote articles on America's public schools and universities, enemy number one. They are. Because now you got socialists and communists and uh, Muslims, Islamics, evolutionists. They're all teaching and they're, they're nullifying anything to do with reality. The gospel of Jesus Christ, true science. They're nullifying it all. We got to get back into teaching our roots and the proclaiming the truth and take away the lies of what they're trying to teach right now. Amen. That's one thing that COVID did is a lot of parents started watching what their children were taking, learning, and they found out, what are you doing with these woke ideologies when you should be teaching education and the fundamentals? So a lot of people are waking up to the fact that Satan has done a lot to take over our educational mountain. He truly has. In fact, Satan has done a lot to uh, take over all of our mountains. And even the church is all messed up. Mm-hmm. You know, I got back into doing statistics on a biblical worldview. And if you get into youth pastors, youth pastors, only 12% have a bit. Well, what are they teaching the youth? Yeah. What are they teaching them? How to have fun, most of them. Just yeah. Games and fun. You know, that, I mean, that pornography is acceptable. Oh, Fornication sure. is acceptable. Yes, I just got in a discussion on Facebook where someone posted a Christian post and they were promoting liberation theology. Now, if you don't know what liberation theology is, it's basically you take Marxism and you clothe it with all these good sounding biblical statements. And it sounds very Christian, but once you get to the core, you realize that's just Marxism clothed in Christianity. And that'll corrupt the church. You can't be teaching that kind of stuff at the pulpit. This is the reason why we're losing America. You know, the Federal Council of Churches. Now, listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. The forerunner of the National Council of Churches with its Geneva parent organization, the World Council of Churches. Now, the NCC leads dozens of Protestant, Orthodox, Anglican denominations, including Presbyterian, Episcopalian, Evangelical, Lutheran, United Methodist, and many others. Now, since the NCC has a Marxist communist covering, this should be clearly explained why they back liberation theology, why the mainline churches aren't bothered with sin. They back abortion, homosexuality. They bring drag queens into the church to teach their members and the children drag queens. Yeah, I was down doing street evangelism here a couple of years ago downtown Seattle. And, of course, I got that one congregational church, that white one downtown Seattle. Of course, I got all those Black Lives Matter and all that stuff. And I've gone up with people with Black Lives Matter church with T-shirts on. And I says, so you're concerned about Black Lives Matter? I says, when's the last time you marched at an abortion clinic? When's the last time you went to pray and go save a girl in an abortion clinic? Never. I says, well, 48% of all black kids are aborted at the abortion clinic. So don't give me the hypocrisy that Black Lives Matter. If you've never once 
gone to an abortion clinic. I used to go to one on the highway for years and pray. That's no longer there. We prayed and worshiped and it was right by the airport, but that one's no longer there because, you know, to me, life matters. Yes. yes. Life matters. Yes. And, uh, and the hypocrisy of some of that stuff just, but anyway, I was at this church and, and of course they embraced sodomy. Yeah. Embrace homosexuality. So I walked in, I saw all these people there, and some of them were guys with guys. And But I went to the pastor, and I confronted him. I says, you know, Jesus has come here to accept and capture us free. He wants to deliver these guys of their homosexuality. He wants to deliver them a lesbian lifestyle. But you, you're involved in the same thing. You're putting these guys in bondage. You know, you're making them twice the son of Satan as yourself. You know, and I, I kind of rebuked him. He says, God wants to set him free. I said, I've had so many homosexuals come and I've seen them get set free and get married. But you're just wrapping them in the bondage and you're bringing them to hell. Yeah. And it just frustrates the life out of me. I mean, I, I mean I'll go to these pastors and talk to them as I, I just get irritated. <laughs> what what did the pastor say? <laughs> he just kind of looked at me kind of stunned. Didn't know what he just kind of looked stunned. And I at that point, I just kind of walked off, you know, but uh you know, he's getting ready for certain. But I was just, I just get angry because I see a lot of this stuff with pastors. Well, that anger know? is the Holy Spirit. God Jesus. is not happy. He's not happy with When it. you twist his words, I mean, the Bible says, don't add or subtract from uh, the word of God, lest you be damned. I would tell and you. And God is not happy when you twist the word of God. I'll tell you a supernatural thing that happened to me about 15 years ago. I mean, it was probably one of the most amazing stories to me personally. But we used to have a prayer meeting in North Bend. And uh, it was the week they were ordaining the Episcopal bishop. One week, so one week at that prayer meeting, I literally got a uh, photograph. It talks about in Malachi 4 about there'll be ashes under your feet. So I lit the photograph on fire in an ash pit and I stamped on the pit. So I was coming back the next week, says, Lord, I'm not going to bring nothing about, about this homosexuality unless I pray in tongues for at least an hour. And there was about 30, 40 intercessors there. So I prayed in tongues for about an hour. And the longer I prayed, the burden got stronger. So I got to begin to come against the sodomy that was going to be embraced in the Lutheran church and the Episcopal church. And uh, somebody brings this rubber snake up to me. Here, stop on this rubber snake. And I stopped on it. Forget about stopping on it. I got that thing and I ripped off its head. And I started, and I was just doing war for about 15 minutes with a 50. I was just angry inside. And I sit back down and all of a sudden my arms started filling up with gold. I was going, man, there's gold on my arms. And I kept praying for about, about another half hour, hour. I got up and walked around the room. Half the people in the room had a gold mark on their forehead. So I ran into the bathroom to see if I had one. I had a big gold mark on my forehead. I says, God, what is this? Ezekiel 9. I knew exactly what that was. That's where the, where the men in linen garments begin to walk the city to mark the foreheads of those that begin to weep over the perversion of the land. God says, this day I'm marking the foreheads of those that cry and weep over the perversions of the land. It Amen. was an amazing sign and wonder to me. Well, the Bible goes into, again, I wrote a book called The Science of Judgment. And there comes a point of no return when mercy and grace runs its course. And God says, don't even pray for the people because I'm not going to hear your prayers. But yeah. judgment is falling anyway. Yet you get into the Bible and Revelation when two billion people are going to die. Yet God marks his people with his seal. So Amen. judgment doesn't fall on them. He marks them in Revelation. And you get right back into uh, just like Amen. people if they stayed under the blood when God sent the plagues on Egypt, yeah. then you did not have the plague hit you, the death angel. Amen. But if you violated and walked outside, out of the covering of the blood of Jesus Christ, that's what it represented, Amen. the death angel hit you too. Yeah. Even though you were a Hebrew and not a 
uh, 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 not an Egyptian. Whether you're Jewish or it Egyptian. It doesn't matter. You can say whatever you want to say. I'm a Christian. Well, if you don't stay under the blood, you're going to be struck with the plagues of God. Yeah, we, you're going to be a casualty. Yeah. I mean, we see in Revelations, God's going to seal their foreheads again. That's right. But God's going to seal them again when the day of the Lord comes. And so we just got to be under the seal of the Lord. You know, I'm, I'm glad to be hearing uh, this anger come out of uh, Mike DeLorenzo because that's prophetic uh, anger uh, coming from, you know, that that's the office of the prophet. And he does prophetic paintings and uh, not just an evangelist, but prophetic. And so I, I move that way apostolically and prophetically with those two mantles as I travel the nations. And God is not happy with what's going on right now. He's not happy no, with the leaders no, of the church no. that have distorted the word of God, that have changed his words. Like I said, Mike, the Bible says clearly don't add or subtract from the word of God lest you be damned. You be damned. And these pastors are on the verge of total damnation. They are twisting the word of God and bringing judgment upon themselves, their congregation, and society. Mike? Yeah, you know, my Bible says, this is a fast I've, I was reading earlier today about Isaiah, about the fast I've chosen, you know, and that's about breaking the bands of, of iniquity, iniquity, about letting the oppressed go free. You know, it says in Isaiah, it says, uh, verse 6, this is not the fast which I chose, to so loose the bands of wickedness to undo the bands and the yokes, and to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke. It is not is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? It says, then your light will break out like the dawn. Your recovery will bring break forth speedily and your righteousness will go before you. And it goes on, but you know, God's called us to, the fast he's chosen is to set the captives free. You know, I mean, that's what God wants. He wants, God's come to set the homosexuals free, the, the people stuck in pornography, drug addictions, whatever that is. We have a God who wants to set those people free. I remember one time I had a, a guy in my office. I used to work at a church by the side of the road and right next to a strip, strip joint called Deja Vu. But I used to go, the Lord says in Gideon, he says, he told Gideon, go build your altar in an orderly manner. And God says, Mike, I want you to go build an altar behind the strip joint. And so every Friday night, I go get my guitar and begin to worship where the guys are going into the strip joint. I just bless the Lord. But I remember one day I had a I had the manager of Deja Vu coming to my office and says, Mike, you've always loved me. I want to know how to get saved. I want to know how to get my heart to the Lord. Later on, a Satanist that would mock God, his friend died. He, he also worked at the strip clubs. He came to me and says, Mike, how do I give my life to Jesus? You know, when you begin to worship an altar, build an altar of worship. You know, the Bible says God wants to restore the tabernacle of David as in the days of old. It says, then the rest of the Gentiles will seek after God. As I built an altar of worship at the strip joints, the presence of God would just touch lives. And I saw, I saw more and more come to Jesus, not because of what I said. I'd just be out there worshiping Jesus, you know, and creating an open heaven, right? But at, where they're walking into the strip joints. Amen. You know? Amen. Robert? Amen. I have a, a great lesson that I learned from a rabbi. He's summing up the Old Testament. He said, there are three levels that you have to know about. There's the holy, there's the common, and there's the defiled. And you must never mix the holy with the common. You don't mix the common with the defiled, and you absolutely don't mix the holy with the defiled. 
And these are, this is a great lesson that uh, you can't mix these evil philosophies with God's word because that brings the desolation that causes abomination. Abomination that causes desolation. So great lesson, three levels, the holy, the common, and the defiled. Don't bring the defiled and say that's from the Lord. No, that is, that is so true. You know, the scripture warns us about the full cup of iniquity. When God's mercy and grace runs its duration, then God's anger and wrath boils over and his judgment starts to fall. You are getting angry, Mike, at the sins that you were watching. And that's because of the Holy Spirit. It's not happy. I was getting angry. The Holy angry. Spirit is not happy. Yeah, I was getting angry, but I love the people. God loves the I people. I love the people. God but loves I did, the people. You know, he sent his son, but he is angry, angry at, at the, the sins. sins. Right. Why? Because that will bring damnation, damnation to everyone if he continues to allow mercy and grace. There comes a point of no one return. Why? Because if you lived a million years, you wouldn't change. Once you have opportunity in your this lifetime, the Bible says, judge yourself and I won't judge you. I remember one time I was walking with Brother Henry Groover, the pro walker of the world. Yeah. And we were walking down Pack High. We were laying hands on one of the strip joints or a bookstore. It was a, maybe it was a pornographic bookstore at the time or one of those things. But he says, you know, Mike, he says, I believe saddles marked for judgment. And Lord has told him some cities that were marked. He usually doesn't say that publicly, but I was with him when he saw Seattle marked for judgment. I mean, I believe things can be altered through prayer and change. For intercession, I look for a man to stand in the gap, but I found none. I believe God's looking for people to stand in the gap. But, you know, if America don't repent, you know, when we tried to do Sean fight there at, we, uh, at the wake downtown, you know, they, they shut us down at Gasworks Park. We're going to go there to do it, and they shut us down, so we found actually a better spot. But we are worshiping. As we worship God in the strongholds, it's amazing. I want an amazing story about the Chad that happened in Seattle where they had the city blocked off for, with uh, Black Lives Matter and Tifa. I had a lady from my church, a Russian lady. She loves God. And the Lord says, I want you to pray and fast and walk around Chaz for seven days up some Capitol Hill when they had it. She walked around for seven days with John Belinda and some others, and they blew the shofars. On the seventh day, she walked around. The police took down the wall. You know, they marched around Jericho for seven days. And God says, you watch, march. And she didn't know that was going to happen. But she had a word from God. You know, as we're obedient in prophetic assignments, we can demolish strongholds over regions. Amen. Again, the scripture warns about the full cup of iniquity law. When God's mercy and grace runs its duration, God's anger and wrath boil over and his judgment starts to fall. Judgment is first meant to lead to repentance, redemption. If the person is beyond redemption, God's judgment is finally for total destruction. God sends destruction upon people and nations when their wickedness takes them beyond redeeming love, Sodom and Gomorrah. There is a point of no return when the unpardonable sin has been committed. Even this is mercy and grace. Because if God did not utterly destroy the unrepentant, then extended mercy only allows evil, violence, and needless suffering to continue upon the innocent. The principle is simple. God breaks his silence when a person, city, or nation reaches a certain level of wickedness. He uses one or more of his divine judgments. If his situation is redeemable, his judgment is for redemption, for repentance. If not, then the judgment is for destruction, the rise and fall of nations. Now, Amen. some people like to quote Daniel, suggesting he stood in the gap, which is true. So did Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, John the Baptist, Noah, and many others. 
But understand, judgment fell anyway, fell even though they stood in the gap. It yep. fell anyway. The population were destroyed in Noah's time, but Noah and his family were saved by obeying God. The nation of Israel was taken into captivity. Daniel himself went into slavery, taken into Babylon. Even though they all stood in the gap, people yep. say, I'm standing in the gap. It doesn't matter if there's not repentance. Right, repentance. Nineveh, Unless the rep Nineveh repented. Nineveh repented. Yeah, and that's right. the only reason the they only were saved. They're saved. But unless the people themselves repented as a people in Nineveh, this is what I have in my writings, Amen. judgment falls. God honored Daniel, became a leader in Babylon, but Israel was taken into slavery. Standing in the gap means more than praying. These men did more than pray. They sounded the alarm. They warned the people in the nation they must repent or suffer the consequences of their continued disobedience. Disobedience. They prayed, fasted, preached, and the Holy Spirit convicted However, if the people of the nation did not themselves repent, judgment fell anyway. Moses stood in a gap, but the people died in the wilderness, never receiving the promises of God because of their continued sin. Ladies and gentlemen, we must do more than just pray. We must preach. We must sound the alarm. We must do what we're doing like Mike, Robert, and others. We must go to locations, speak the truth, and the blood, at least, will not, it will cover us. It will cover us. God will be pleased. God will be happy with us. And we won't personally fall under judgment. The nation will. We could die in a nation under judgment. Or God could spare our life like he did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Mm -hmm. Thrown into the fiery furnace, and they still didn't die. I remember we had a, a, one particular time. I had a word from Eastern Washington, Lynn Phelps and a bunch of folks called me one day from Eastern Washington and this, and this lady Betty, she says, I saw a vision of a massive earthquake hitting Seattle, Washington. And she saw, she saw tens of thousands of people are dead. And all of a sudden she shares with me and the burden the Lord fell me on me. The Lord says, if you don't do something with this word, I want the Lord says, I want to delay it. But if you don't do something with this word, it's on your head. So the next night I had a prayer meeting in my house with Lynn Fells with there, Ray Nelson, a bunch of prophetic intercessors. And we're praying about this earthquake. God, what do you want us to do? What is this coming? Is this coming? And out of my, out of my inner man says, tomorrow there's going to be a 4.1 earthquake between Bellingham and Mount Baker. They'll show that this is from the Lord. And I was out to lunch with uh, Pastor. Lynn, Dan Hammer, a bunch of people up at the Red Robin at Northgate, about 15 pastors and Lynn's going, well, Mike says there's going to be a 4.1 earthquake as a sign of judgment coming if we don't repent. And so I get in the car and Lynn says, did you hear what just happened? I says, no, they just announced on the radio there was a 4.1 earthquake between Bellingham and Mount Baker just like you said. And so at that time we gathered 300 plus intercessors up in Bellingham. The Lord said go to Bellingham and we prayed and, and, uh, and I believe we just in mercy triumphs over judgment. I believe we delayed a major earthquake. I don't think we stopped it, but I believe at that time it was delayed for a season. As God says, if you don't do something about it, there will be a major earthquake. And it says, the blood will be upon your hands because the Lord said, I want to delay it. The devil's planning this, but it's not my time yet. And there's a good principle that, that we got to get here. And I was shown this, that any sin that the pastors and priests will not preach against will eventually take over their cities. So you cannot have preachers that will gloss over certain types of sin. you got to cover it all. Otherwise, it takes over your city. 
I was at I was at word. I was at a church the other day, and she was preaching all around as an AG church. She preached all around. She says there's a society, there's a lot of evil, but she never mentioned homosexuality. She never mentioned abortion. She never mentioned what the sin was. And I was really irritated. Says you preached a great message, but you left off the heart and soul of the, the sins. Says a lot of these kids in this church don't even know fornication is wrong. They don't know uh, homosexuality is wrong. They don't know abortion is wrong. But you've never taught them. You spoke around the issues. It was an Assembly God Church, and I walked out of the grieve because she never hit the target. Ezekiel 14, 13, 14, 16, and 18 and 20. Son of man, when the land sins against me by trespassing grievously, then I'll stretch out my hand upon it. I'll break the staff of the bread thereof. I'll send famine upon it. I will cut off man and beast from it. Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their own righteousness, saith the Lord God. Though these three men were in it as I live, says the Lord God, they shall deliver neither sons or daughters. They only shall be delivered, but the land will be desolate. Though these three men were in it as I live, says the Lord God, they shall deliver neither sons nor daughters, but the only deliver themselves from the wrath of God by their own righteousness. And he signs off. Though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter. They shall deliver their own souls by their own righteousness. Wow. Now, the science of judgment. Go on my website, www.worldministries.org. Order the book. Sign up for Eagles Saving Nation. Subscribe. Let's get into the national football stadiums, the NBA arenas, the civic centers. Let's see this mighty move of God getting back to Pentecost. And we move out with power and authority to do battle against what's coming on America to turn back the tide of evil. Amen, Mike? Amen. Amen. Mark? Amen. Amen. God bless you. I'll Lord see you tomorrow. You. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. 
Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.